Hello and welcome to this edition of Community Connections. I'm your host, Chuck Curlin. Today, we are connecting with the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. And with us is Shannon Power. She is the press secretary from the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, as well as Emily Swackhammer. She's the commercial horticultural educator for the Penn State Extension. Welcome to the program, ladies. Thank you. It's good to be here. Shannon, I want to direct the first question to you. I know it's a broad spectrum of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. What are the responsibilities here in the state of Pennsylvania? That is a huge question. (laughs) Pennsylvania has a $135.7 billion agriculture and food industry. So it's huge in our economy. It also, so the Department of Agriculture exists to promote and protect Pennsylvania agriculture. And there are a million and one ways that we do that. Um, We work with very important partners like Penn State Extension um, to build our workforce, to educate consumers on uh, whether it's their home garden, whether it's uh, whether they are actually a farmer in the industry. Um, But the whole gamut of educational partnership, that's how we work with Penn State. We, uh, we do everything from uh, ride safety at amusement mm. parks to the, the food industry and safety of food in your restaurants, in your production facilities, like a processing plant, yes. to traditional farming and production agriculture, which is what most people think of. Yes. The dog law is another important right. thing that um, we uh, protect and um, we regulate the breeding industries and animal health in Pennsylvania. Specifically with dogs, we uh, manage the dog licensing process and rabies vaccinations. Ah. And now the Penn State Extension, how did this come into play? And is it throughout the whole state or is it just here in the King of Prussia, Harrisburg areas? Yeah, sure. Um, So Penn State Extension is part of the College of Ag Sciences at Penn State. And we are um, the outreach arm of the college out into the communities. So there is an extension office in every county, every 67 counties in Pennsylvania has extension people present. And it's our job to bring the research-based information to the community. So in my role as a commercial horticulture educator, I work a lot with our tree care industry, our landscapers, um, people that are producing plants for food and, and ornamental use. Um, I do a lot of conferences. I am constantly on the phone helping people that call the office. But I've also been very involved lately with the spotted lanternfly and other invasive insects that have come to Pennsylvania. Um, We have other parts of Penn State Extension. So some people might be familiar with the 4-H program, and that's our youth program. We have the kids involved in a lot of real hands-on projects, and we're teaching them leadership development through that process. But we also have um, family and consumer sciences. We have agronomy specialists. We have a whole wonderful group of volunteers that help us reach the public. So we have the master gardener volunteers and the master watershed steward volunteers. Um, I get to work with them a lot because they're horticulture. (laughs) Um, But we have a lot of people locally that are involved in our programming. Well, Penn State's very well known for horticulture. So I guess that's a match made in heaven. And is there a, 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 I guess, a funding program that most of the people that are working in the different counties come from Penn State University as well? Yeah, so we have a collaborative funding profile. So we get some funding from the state. We have some federal support, 
but we also have really good support from the counties. And it, all of those pieces are very important. Um, we also enjoy our relationship with the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture. So um, there's a lot of very important issues that PDA is working on to safeguard agriculture across the state. They're the regulators, they enforce the laws, they regulate pesticide use in the state, and then we are the educators. So we can go out and teach people about all those things, but we, we don't have regulatory uh, powers. Uh, now, is there some type of like volunteer program that people that would watch this program that get some information and say, hey, I'd like to get involved with this? Yeah, um, any of those three that I mentioned. So the 4-H program, we're always looking for volunteers for leaders and, you know, especially people that have children in the 4-H age group, um, 8 to 18 years old. But um, also, you know, grandparents can get involved. Um, our master gardeners, um, you know, we have a lot of people that just really love horticulture and they want to teach other people about it. And then our master watershed steward program, that's a newer thing that we're doing. Um, and they, their mission really is to safeguard the, um, the purity of our water systems and our watersheds. And um, it's a newer program, but we have some tremendous training really for all of those different areas. So the, the volunteers receive training and then they give back volunteer time to Penn State, but it's really giving back to your community. So this is sort of like a symbiotic relationship. Very much oh, so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, sure. Now, do the two of you do a lot of uh, work together or do you refer information to Emily? How does that coexist? I have referred an awful lot of people to Emily <laughs> recently <laughs> uh, with spotted lanternfly being a big issue. But back to 4-H, for example, Emily doesn't work with the 4-H program, but it's, it's incredibly crucial to the Department of Agriculture because it's one of the tools to raise our future agriculture workforce. Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania 4-H uh, won a national robotics competition and they're really, um, you know, you think of them as the kids at the fairs showing mm -hmm. their animals proudly and that's, that's really important and really special, but they're also, um, they're getting excited about careers in agriculture and food and they're learning uh, STEM careers, science, technology, engineering, and math, because that's so much a part of the agriculture and food industry. You know, being here on the eastern side of the state, it seems, because it's a little bit more urban, going west, it must, uh, your department must play a much bigger role than it does here, say in King of Prussia. Is that Oh, safe to say? I don't think I Because there's more that. farming as you go west. Um, yeah, but when we uh, get into food safety mm -hmm. and, um, you know, the, the markets, a lot of the agricultural markets are here where the population lies. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of agriculture going on in the southeast part of Pennsylvania, you know, in, in maybe more intensive uh, production systems. But I think, I think I wouldn't say it's just different here. Urban agriculture is huge now, yes. you'd be surprised. Um, there's agriculture on the rooftops and vacant lots. Um, we're facing a situation in the future where we're feeding a lot more people worldwide with a lot fewer resources. So we, we do work to protect those resources with county government, local government. Um, but at the same time, we have to innovate to find ways to grow food sometimes even without soil. And a lot of that aquaponics goes mm -hmm. on in places like Philadelphia, you know, up, up the sides of parking garages and on roofs. And it's really, uh, it's really wonderful to see. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to say, I understand it, like the research is done on this end, but when you think of agriculture, you think of the rural setting. That, I think sure. that's what I'm looking at. So right. if you, that's where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. thinking there's 
the more west we go, once you drive past Harrisburg, there's farmlands everywhere. Sure. And you feel like there was more of a, I guess more, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture has more of a presence there because of the farmers. I guess that's what I was trying to relay, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's possible. Yeah. We're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you're in the entire state, sure. that's for sure. But Philadelphia, in particular, in the, the southeast corner of the state, is particularly important as a center of trade. Um, we're so ideally located for to get food that's produced maybe in other parts of the state to markets mm -hmm. uh, around the world. We have a $2 billion agricultural trade industry uh, export just leaving out of the port of Philadelphia. Um, yeah, and I think that that's part of the, you know, the, the fun of our, our jobs that Pennsylvania does have such a diverse agriculture. It's really exciting to work mm -hmm. in any part of Pennsylvania. Um, there's just uh, parts of the state that focus on different commodities and different activities. Yeah, it's a whole cycle uh, from, you know, the, the farm and the field yeah. to your plate, plate. where yeah. <laughs> everybody, table. Yes. agriculture touches yeah. everybody at least three times a day. Talking about the spotter and lantern fly, and I, I guess, Shannon, I'll go to you first. Have they put anything in place and how prevalent and how important is the information to, to be shared with people here in Pennsylvania? Sure. Um, have they put anything in place? Yes. Since the insect was discovered in Berks County in 2014, um, we, we found out about it early. It was this odd looking insect that a, uh, a forester, Pennsylvania forester found and, and knew it didn't belong here. So it's an invasive species. It came from South Korea. Um, we know from lessons learned from past invasive species that you wanna nip them in the bud quickly because you have no idea how it's gonna behave in this new habitat where it doesn't belong. Um, so we uh, partnered with the USDA and with Penn State Extension, got the attention in particular of the USDA for, with the need for funding um, because we had some funding available but not nearly enough to combat something with the potential to spread. Mm -hmm. um, and we formed a strategy from there and got a tremendous amount of funding. Uh, the, Governor Wolf de devoted $3 million in this year's budget and in uh, previous years uh, there was money set aside as well. The USDA gave us $20 million this year. Some of that is funding research to figure out how the insect will behave. Some of it is funding uh, the work itself to combat it, which we'll come back to. But you asked why it was important um, to homeowners, particularly north of here where there are heavy infestations in Redding, for example, it's a huge nuisance. But it's a much bigger threat than just a nuisance for homeowners. It threatens $18 billion worth of valuable commodities, things like apples and grapes and uh, hops, um, oh, yeah. things that are very important, very important to consumers, uh, to our wine industry, yeah. to our, our booming beer yes. industry, yes. Um, and just the food on our tables, grape juice, wine, apples, things that are important to our economy, but they're also important to us as consumers. Um, so it also, and it threatens uh, trade in general, $2 billion worth of trade that goes in and out of Pennsylvania that if other countries can't trust what they get from here, they, they could very well put barriers on that trade. And the agricultural end of it, you being involved with Penn State Ex Extension, you've been, I guess, studying this extensively and you know the impact. Yeah, sure. Um, so in my job, I primarily work with the green industry. So those are our tree care professionals, landscapers, um, and also people that uh, tend for their own home gardens. 
so I'm very focused on trees. I mean, the fruit industry is critically important in hops, you know, uh, of course. But um, the um, the tree care, the tree industry in Pennsylvania is huge. So it's landscaping, tree care, but also our hardwood industry. Absolutely. So our hardwood industry is worth um, in the billions of dollars per year. We're the number one producer of hardwoods in the country. Wow. And we absolutely don't want this insect to affect the health of our hardwoods but we really don't want it to affect the potential to sell our hardwoods. We don't want other states or other countries to have you know, um, reservations about buying our hardwoods for fear of importing spotted lanternfly. So yes, I've been very involved in, in you know, helping with especially the tree side of things and helping people understand um, the biology of the insect um, and, and then what management options we might have. It's not a simple answer. Unfortunately, I wish it was. It would be mm -hmm. so much easier to teach people if it was you know, one product or insecticide spray or time of year or anything, but um, it's really an individual um, treatment program or management program depending on people's resources, what trees they're trying to protect, if they're trying to grow one of our agricultural commodities, our fruit crops. Um, what their abilities are, and then especially what their um, attitudes are about pesticide use. Some people will use pesticides. Some people want to use the least toxic option, which is kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. um, some people only can use organic methods if they're in organic production. So you see, there's a lot of variables. Yes. It, was there a ground zero? Like where was this first discovered? And I know it's been it's been out around four years now. Yeah, it was first discovered in uh, the eastern corner of Berks County and um, right between Pike and District Townships. So that's where it was first discovered. But by the time we knew it was here, it already was in five townships. Yeah, and, and they can be easily spread because that's the, that's the key. A lot of people should be aware of that it could be under your car, it could be in your wheel well. Next thing you know, they're populating in another part of the state. Right, and, and that's uh, part of the, the challenge we have with this insect, that it has um, you know, this behavior, this widespread feeding on different hosts. It can be found just about anywhere. And then it can lay its eggs on virtually any solid object. So that's where PDA comes in. They have enacted the quarantine and there are very specific um, regulatory requirements for people to be in compliance with the quarantine. And it's not meant to be overbearing or, you know, especially hard for people to comply with, but there's an educational component, that's what I do. And then, you know, there are certain requirements that the businesses and residents have to be in compliance, just so we don't spread it. Yeah, how often are you, I guess, pulled to educate people, especially in heavily populated areas of this of this insect, yeah, I do a lot of talks, at least okay. one a week on average. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. So they they are you are keeping up to date because I'm sure things are constantly changing. Because is the bug is the insect going right after one type of plant life? Is it going after one type of produce? But it seems right. the information is the... constantly changing. And, and Shannon re uh, referenced some of the research that's going on. We're learning more and more all the time. So um, I, I'm trying to stay at the forefront of that. And you know that's what Penn State Extension does. We deliver the most current research-based information that we can get a hold of. Well, you mentioned one thing that, I, that caught my attention, it, like mosquitoes, for instance. People can spray for mosquitoes. Why haven't they developed something that they could sp spray for the spotted lanternfly? Yeah, fly? that's a great question. And we've been asked that a lot. Um, what the product that's used for um, mosquito management is very specifically only toxic to mosquitoes. 
So it's, um, you know, it's not going to hurt pollinators or butterflies or any of the other insects that are out there. And we don't have a product like that for spotted lanternfly. Some of the researchers are working to try mm -hmm. to develop things like that. But until we have that, we're not going to use broad spectrum insecticides that would kill, you know, all of those other non-target things. Mm -hmm. We have to be very careful about that. Yeah. And, and, and Shannon, obviously the spider lanternfly is, is one insect that you've had to deal with. I'm sure there have been many. Have Has the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture learned any lessons from other species that have sort of did damage to agriculture? Sure, we have all kinds of invasive species. Um, one that uh, you brought up before the show was emerald ash borer. Um, emerald ash borer has really devastated our hardwood um, sector. Baseball bats in particular, people uh -huh. love their ash base baseball bats. Um, so now, and now our manufacturers here are having to look for different woods uh, because it has been so damaging. It's created unsafe situations in our in many of our wooded areas, our parks and neighborhoods mm -hmm. where the trees are brittle because the insects have eaten them. We know, uh, we have learned by working, we've learned how to work well as partners is one of the biggest lessons. We've learned, you know, who does what well. Um, and so this, the partnership with USDA and with Penn State has worked really well this time. We've, um, Penn State, it's part of an educational institution, higher education. They do education really, really well. Um, we have the regulatory function, but we also do, we, we have um, some funding for outreach. So we do, uh, we've done a successful campaign to uh, get people to look before they leave and That's recognize right. spotted lanternfly. So some of uh, the, the strategy mm -hmm. was informed by previous invasive, in, invasive insects and plants. Um, but also just those partnerships that are existing. We have that network and we work well together. And um, you know, we, we know how to get people's attention to get funding yes. for issues that are important in Pennsylvania. What information could you share with them if they spot it, what would they do? Yeah, sure, so, and, and uh, that's so important. Um, we spend a lot of time trying to get people to just recognize the insect in all of its life stages. Um, when they hatch out in the spring, they're very small. They've just crawled out of the eggs and they are black with white spots. They jump, um, they can jump for very far distances. So you, that's one way to identify them uh, and tell them apart from a tick or an ant or something that doesn't jump. They'll shed their skins three times and in the fourth shed, they um, develop this beautiful red coloration. And then by about the end of July, you'll start to see the adults. And the adults will be present throughout the late summer and into the fall, all the way up until the time we get a killing frost. Then they will all die, all of the adults will die. The adults, of course, mate and lay eggs, and they can lay their eggs on just about any solid object. So that's part of the danger that, you know, they can lay eggs on something mm -hmm. that can easily be transported. The eggs will overwinter, and then the cycle starts again in the spring. So part of the educational effort is just getting people to understand what they look like. Then the next uh, question that people always have is, what can I do about it? What should I do about it? Well, we're asking people to try to do something about it. And mm -hmm. um, the answer for uh, people will vary based on their abilities, resources, and, and you know what kind of things they like to do around their households. So there are mechanical methods. Mm -hmm. um, you can use uh, a scraper card to scrape and destroy the egg masses. And um, you can see a video online about how to do that. 
but basically you just scrape the eggs off of the um, object into a container and then you add some uh, rubbing alcohol to the bag and it will kill the eggs. So that's a mechanical method. Um, there's another mechanical method called banding. And if you put sticky bands around trees, you can capture the nymphs and, and even some of the adults. And that's a pretty effective way to kill a lot of them with no pesticide use. Mm -hmm. You need to be careful. People have caught things that they don't intend to catch. So, um, you know, if you catch another creature, you feel really bad. Mm -hmm. um, people are putting uh, chicken wire cages around the bands to try to protect them um, from getting in contact with other creatures. And then, of course, people go, you know, really are very interested in using insecticides. And there are insecticides that work very well against spotted lanternfly. Um, we try to recommend using the lowest toxicity insecticides first. So we have some of them on our recommendations list, like insecticidal soap, like neem oil, um, that are very low in toxicity. You just have to be a little patient with those. They mm -hmm. don't kill the insects quite as quickly as some of the traditional insecticides. The traditional insecticides work very well. Um, if you're using them safely according to the label, you know, it should be fine. Uh, we're, of course, trying to protect the environment and the applicator from any unintended consequences. I'll just point out that we have this fact sheet that puts all of this kind of complicated information into one place for people. And this is our, available on our website and it will constantly be updated as we get more research-based information to incorporate into it. But across the top, we have the months of the year. And then along the side, we have all of the different options that you can use, including the mechanical methods, um, working our way into pesticide options. And um, a good verbal description on the back of some of the more um, targeted pesticide options where we're using trap trees and things like that. But this is a really good fact sheet to put a lot of complicated information together for the public you know, in one place, hopefully. Right. Has this education shown progress that things are working uh, to eradicate the uh, lanternfly? Yeah, sure. Um, well, we're, we're enthused that it's no, it's not any further into Pennsylvania or bigger landmass than it, than it has spread to. So when it was uh, first introduced um, in 2004 into South Korea, it spread across that country in about three years time. And the country of South Korea is about the same land mass as Pennsylvania. So we're four years into this infestation at least. And it still is in, you know, the southeastern part of the state, it's into parts of New Jersey now. There's one county in Virginia. But um, we're encouraged that it's no further than it is. And we attribute that to the fact that so many people do know about it and are working really hard to not spread it. And they're complying with the quarantine that the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture has enacted. Yes, and sure. that quarantine with the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, obviously, as Emily has stated, it's, it's made some great strides. Sure, business owners are used to having uh, regulations around their shipping because it's a normal thing to ship products safely and to have and to engender consumer trust in your products. So businesses are used to that. Um, the challenge was re reaching all businesses because this is important regardless of what you're shipping. The spotted lanternfly egg masses, for example, don't discriminate. They can hitch a ride on anything, mm -hmm. anything that's stored outside. But businesses largely have been very um, cooperative because they understand the importance of this. So they have trained their staff uh, as part of this permitting program. Um, the permit 
is a hang tag that they hang in their vehicles. It's orange. And that says to anyone who is receiving a shipment or anyone who's at the border of, say, New York and New Jersey checking, um, it says that you're familiar with what sp spotted lanternfly looks like you know how to identify it and that you have made an effort a good faith effort to check your uh your vehicle and whatever you're transporting so that you're not transporting the insect exactly. and it's, it's the same message essentially look before you leave right whether you're a business owner whether you're someone who just travels on business maybe you don't take anything with you at mm -hmm. all you don't want to take spotted lantern flies with you um so look before you leave um there, in fact, we have a video online of our Secretary of Agriculture checking his vehicle. Yeah. He's been very faithful to do that. He travels all over the state. And we've been very careful not to bring Spotted Lanternfly with us as us collectively state employees who travel in and out of this area, uh, municipal employees and uh, county employees who travel for on business. They certainly don't want to be responsible for spreading Spotted Lanternfly. So everyone is looking before they leave. Yes. Yeah, and so the educational part of that is um, for everybody that's moving anything around, your situation is going to be different. So, you know, if, if you have a business that's transporting some kind of product, you know better how your transportation systems work than any of us in the agencies or at the university. So um, so we need the, the community to educate each other. And within businesses, the supervisors and managers are hopefully getting... Uh, input from the people that are actually physically doing the shipping, you know, what practices they can use and then sharing it with other people. So there's a lot of sharing going on within the businesses, but also within the community. We have um, so many people that are really stepping up to this and, and trying to educate informally with their neighbors and friends, but also setting up meetings and programs, uh, a lot of community events that people can attend and, and learn more. Um, you know, so, so the educational side of this to to make the regulations work is so necessary. Regulations on their own just wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be effective. Well, ladies, I'd like to thank you for being our guest here today on Community Connections. It's a plethora of information. We hope all of you out there were able to take this in and make your best judgment. I'd like to thank Shannon Powers, the press secretary of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture, as well as Emily Swackhammer, the commercial horticultural educator at Penn State Extension. For all of us here at Community Connections, I'm Chuck Curlin. Thank you for watching.